Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time you are listening right now to this podcast. My name is Matt Brown. This is Matty B Sports, the number one place for sports content in the entire world. That's not true. I'm going to hope to one day that that's true. But for now, I'm Matty B. I'm your host. I'm here to talk all things sports, especially sports that I love, which is Philadelphia sports, top favorite team, every single sport. I'm just going to be going through things around MLB, NBA, NFL. We got the draft tomorrow or tonight, depending on when this uploads. I don't know yet. I'm going to be talking all things sports today, going over the basic things. MVP so far for baseball, Cy Young, NBA, who looks good, who does it. I got everything going. Down. I'm even going to do a full mock draft in here today for you guys when this is all said and done. Today, though, I'm going to start with my Philadelphia Phillies. Let's do it. Philadelphia Phillies are coming off a big series win over the Rockies, taking three of four this past weekend. They are now 11 and 13 on the season after Monday or last night's loss, excuse me, to see the Seattle Mariners. It was a tough game for the Phils. I unfortunately was not able to watch. I was spending my time at West Virginia last night to cover Penn State baseball for the lovely Omer State. Love you guys. Um, so I unfortunately did not get to watch last night's game. I watched back the highlights. Pretty not great game for the Phils. I was very disappointed in our performance. Um, I thought the offense just wasn't really going well. Pache looked really well in the game. Kevin Long has turned him into a star, in my opinion. It's unbelievable the things he's been able to do as of recently lately. As of recently, um, Bailey Falter looked all right over six. I mean, six runs, or six hits, excuse me, and three earned runs. Just wasn't going to cut it, especially when your team's only scoring two to three runs a game. And Mundo Sosa just continues to mash baseballs and hit, absolutely tattooed one last night. That was a big thing, but the Phils did lose 5-3 to three in 9. And tonight, currently, as I am recording this, right now, the Phillies are playing again. The Mariners, once again, in Game 2 of the series. They're currently down 5-3 again. Not what I want to hear. Um, it's unfortunate that they c- cannot get things rolling right now. They're kind of at that point where they're just a 500 team right now. And I hope that when Bryce Harper gets back... They're going to be a little bit better, but I don't know. We'll see. You know, I have faith in this team that they can go back to the postseason, maybe even go back to the World Series. I have faith that they can do it. Just got to wake up the bats a little bit. Tonight so far, Nick Castellanos had a bottom of the first, first inning two-run home run, opposite field as well. Absolute shot the other way to give him an early 2 nothing lead. But J.P. Crawford, man, that man has been playing so well ever since the Phils traded him for Gene Segura. Hit a grand slam in the top of the second right after that, right after that Cassiano's home run to give Seattle a 4-2 lead. And then who else but Julio Rodriguez? A solo shot to center field, make it 5-2. Schwaber just hit a single in the bottom of the third a couple innings ago to make it 5-3. So that's the current score right now. That is they're heading into the bottom of the fifth. Scott's leading off. Trey Turner, Kyle Schwaber coming up. And they currently are losing 5-3. Tyron Walker pitching tonight for the Phils. Did not look good. Five hits, five earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts, two home runs. Just absolutely brutal. And apparently, he has gone out with an injury to his left the game due to an injured arm. I assume that's his throwing arm. So his right arm is currently injured, I believe. That is what I just saw on MLB.com. That is not good as Phillies are very thin right now, waiting for Ranger Suarez to get back up from his rehab assignment. They really need uh, starting pitching right now as... Matt Strom just isn't going to cut it, and Matt Strom, Bailey Falter isn't going to cut it, and Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola just do not look good. I was going to get into that in a second. Um, but otherwise, I want to talk about a few guys that are doing really well. I think Nick Castellanos, we can officially say, is back to playing Nick Castellanos baseball from before he was a Philly. I mean, so far this season, I'm going to pull up his stats right now, but he has looked unbelievable for the Phils. He's really filled in that void of a power hitter that they've been looking for so far this season. He currently, I believe, is still tied with the lead in doubles at 10. He has 30 hits so far in the year. He's batting 319. He's also walking, too. He's got 10 walks so far in the year and 15 RBIs in 25 games. I, I, I just don't know what else you really want from the guy. He's 
he's clean. He's the cleanup hitter for your team. He's absolutely mashing the ball for extra base hits too. He finally got those two home runs on uh, during the Colorado series, and then he hit another one tonight for number three on the season. But yeah, I mean, he's looking really good. Um, I'm really impressed with what I've seen from Castellanos so far this year. Um, and he's really filled the void in well. I also want to give move next, not even give shout out, give talk next about Brandon Marsh. Brandon Marsh has absolutely been arguably the best Philly on this team so far this year, which is unbelievable. I love Brandon Marsh. I love that trade when we made it back in July of the trade deadline last season. I really didn't like who they gave up for the deal, but they had to make it. They needed a center fielder, and Marsh has just continued to tear it up during the first month of the season. He is batting 347 on the year with a 1142 OPS. That leads, not the Phillies, leads the major, it leads the Phillies as well, leads the majors in OPS. I mean, that's unbelievable. For those of you who don't know, that is on-base percentage and slugging combined. Um, yeah, that's just unbelievable. He is no doubt filled his spot on this team as the starting everyday center fielder. I don't understand why he shouldn't be hitting. He's not hitting against lefties. That's something that needs to change, I think, soon. Brandon Marsh is your everyday center fielder from now until <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> until when. He's your everyday center fielder. Breaking stat leads off the bottom of the fifth with a single. Runner on for Trey Turner. Love Trey Turner. Um, but otherwise, yeah, Brandon Marsh played a great center field. He's a great defensive center fielder. He's looked amazing out there. Um, his, like I said, his OPS is off the charts right now, and he just looks great. He's really just a great bottom of the bottom of the lineup guy to have, and especially when Bryce comes back and things get really rolling. Having him down there since eight or nine is going to be so huge for this Phil's team, especially come postseason. I'm just really looking forward to that. And I just can't wait to see how great Kevin Long can turn Brandon Marsh because he's just going to keep getting better and better. Um, Move on to next, Alec Bohm. <laughs> I love Alec Bohm so much. I wish, for those who don't know, I am a Reese Hoskins fanatic. He is my number number one baseball player, not even on the Phil's. In the entire league, Reese Hoskins is number one for me. And I was heartbroken when he went down. And Alec Bohm has just filled in such a huge, huge spot for the Phils um, taking over first base. So I am just blown away by what he's been able to do, not only first base, but also at bat, man. He is just looks so good. Right now he's only batting 293. He's dipped a little bit in the last number of games, but 11, er, 11 runs scored so far, 27 hits. Uh, five doubles, three home runs, 19 RBIs. Leads the team as well in that category. 19 RBIs. That is what you love to see. He is just getting guys in, producing runs, and that is just what you like to see out of somebody who, in my opinion, should be batting a little bit higher than he's batting tonight. Seventh. Still don't understand how he's batting seventh, but whatever. I, I'm not the manager. I don't make the calls, but Alec Bohm has just been unbelievable for the Phil so far to start the year. And then how could I not talk about Bryson Stott? I mean, Bryson Stott has just... Bryson Stott's... I talked about how Brandon Marsh has already been the best Philly on the team. Bryson Stott has been the best Philly to start the first month of the season. Got a 17-game hit streak to start the season. Most ever by a Philly to start the season. He is currently, currently, as I speak, batting 343 on the season. I believe that leads to Phil's. I am correct. That does lead the Phils. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. He is batting 350 on the season. That's even crazier. Br uh, Bryson Stott has just been unbelievable. Oh, no, I am wrong. He's batting 343 on the season. I don't know where I saw 350. He's batting 343 on the season with two home runs, seven doubles, 35 hits, 35 hits, and nine RBIs. He has blossomed into the leadoff hitter that everybody hoped he could be. I think he's a little bit more. I think he's more of a power hitter, in my opinion. I think Turner should be batting one, and Stott should be right behind him, driving him in every single chance he can get. I think he's got that chase. He's got that, like, Chase Sutley gene where that power hit, not that power hit him lefty, but, like, that good lefty bat that just gets, just always gets on and gets hits. And Bryson Stott has just been out of this world for um, the Phil so far to start the season. And I have... Love to see every single moment of it. It's been so good to finally see some of the homegrown talent really blossom. 
like I said earlier, with Alec Bone playing well, Bryson Stott. It's it's just night. Nice. It's I love Kyle Schwarber and JT. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, sorry, I had to say that. Kyle Schwarber just struck out, and we are down to two outs in the inning. Here come Nick Castellanos. It's nice to see Castellanos, Schwarber, Turner, Harper, like all them play well, obviously. But it was just felt so much better to see guys like Bohm and Stott and Reese Hoskins play well because that was the homegrown talent that you drafted and developed. And to see those guys succeed, it's just it, – it, it means so much to me. And it, it blossoms my heart that we have homegrown talent that we can be proud of. That's the offensive side. The offense has been pretty good as of late. You know, I feel like we get ourselves in holes, especially with some of our pitchers, and we just can't score runs sometimes, and it's very frustrating. Like tonight, we're losing 5-3 right now after giving up five in one inning. That's going to be a tough hole for us to come back from, but I think we can do it. Logan Gilbert's a good pitcher, though. Um, And then, speaking of pitchers, I'm just going to go right into it. Aaron Nola just has not been good to start the season. He currently sits at a 5-4 ERA. One and two, and his last two starts have just been abysmal, abysmal starts for Aaron Nola. Like, I seriously don't know if it's the pitch clock that's messing with his head or if he just doesn't have it right now because he just he just doesn't look that great. Like I mentioned, he's got a 4.38 ERA on the season. Or, excuse me, he has a 4... Got that wrong. Excuse me. He's got a 5-4 ERA on the season. He's 1-2. His last two starts against Cincinnati and Colorado. He went six and six innings against Cincinnati and seven innings against Colorado, which were pretty good. But it's the runs that he just keeps giving. He, 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 the thing about Aaron Nola is he pitches very well for the first couple innings, and then once he lets up a few hits, he just goes all downhill from there. Like, And there's no explaining that. And it's unfortunate that he has just struggled to start the year right now because you want to see him do well. He's in a contract year, and as I say, that Nick Castellanos drives a single to the outfield to score Bryson Stott from third, and that makes it a 5-4 to four game. Nick Castellanos continues. Like I've been saying, man, Nick Castellanos continues to deliver. Just brought home Stott there. That's that's good. Single on line drive to center field for the run. Brandon Marsh just got out to end the inning but it is 5-4 fills going into the sixth as Cal Raleigh, AJ Pollock and Colt Wong are coming to the plate for the Mariners but as I keep talking about the fills yeah Aaron Nola just needs to get over that hump and really turn himself into the Cy Young candidate I know and everybody knows he can be I feel bad for the guy he's in a contract year I feel good because maybe this can help him take a cheaper deal with the Phils. That's something you might like as a Phils fan, but I don't know. I really hope that he can turn himself around because we're going to need him if we're going to if we're gonna make another run back in September. Moving on to the other ace on the staff, and that's Zach Wheeler. And if we're being honest, Zach Wheeler hasn't looked that great either. He's got a 4.73 ERA on the season. He had a really good start against Colorado, but again, he gave up three runs in the game. Against the White Sox, he gave up eight hits, four runs, and he just can't get stuff going right now. He, the 11 strikeouts against Colorado is good. It's just, Wheeler can be so great at times, but when he's in slumps like he is right now, it takes him a little bit to get back. And by a little bit, I mean like two or three starts for him to really get out of that slump. So, it's unfortunate that he is struggling right now. The whole pitch, this pitch staff as a whole, both bullpen and starters have just been not as great as you really wish for the Phils to start the year. But there is one guy. There's one guy that I'm going to talk about right now who, according to my friend Jack Fritz, yes, I call him my friend. I know I interviewed Jack for uh, an assignment for school. Jack, if you ever hear this, I don't know, I think you will, but if you ever hear this, you're the goat, goat Philly guy, for especially with the Phillies. He tweeted out on April 23rd, Jose Alvarado is going to get Cy Young consideration this year, and I could not agree more on that statement. Jose Alvarado is unbelievable to start this season so far. He His stuff has just been so good for the Phils that it's unbelievable that, that he is where he's at in his career. 
a guy that they got from the Rays for essentially nothing and has turned into arguably a top 10 reliever in baseball and uh, one of the best pitchers in baseball too. Jose currently sits at a .87 ERA in 10 appearances. He has three saves in four opportunities and ten on 10 innings pitched. He's given up five hits and one run on one home run. I remember that game was the White Sox game series, I believe, that he gave up that run. And 20 strikeouts. Twenty His whip is currently .48. Jose Alvarado has been such a huge piece in this bullpen so far this year that I... He needs to be signed long term, like Sir Anthony, and be on this team for years to come because he is just going to keep getting better. That he is un—he was so hard to hit. I don't know how people do it, but he is so hard, especially when he's got that low sinker going. Man, he—he's just been unreal this year. And if he keeps pitching like this, he's not only going going to be an All Star, he is going to get paid by somebody this offseason. I hope it's us. So I want to give Jose Alvarado my fla- my flowers because he's just been unreal this year. And another guy I want to talk about real quick who finally, finally is proving me right. When the Phillies traded back in February for Gregory Soto and Cody Clemens, they traded Matt Veerling and Phil Ma- and Nick Maton. No, excuse me, Nick Maton, not Phil. Phil is on the Astros. No one likes him. Um, when they made that trade. A lot of people were disappointed with it. They did not want to see Veerling and Maton go. And I really liked the guys. I thought they were great bench pieces, but I didn't think they were anything for the future. We had Trey Turner and Stott in the middle. I didn't know where Maton was going to play. You could argue he could play third right now, but I still think they're fine in the situation they're currently sitting in. Veerling is a loss for the outfield, especially with Cave playing every day. So losing him is big. But Clemens hasn't been great but he hasn't been terrible either so I won't mind that same with Cave Cave's been pretty good for the start he's he's not an everyday player but once they get Harper and Derek Hall back I think everything will turn out all right but the big thing that they got in the trade was Gregory Soto Gregory Soto was an all-star last season he very similar in pitching style to Alvarado a young lefty who can throw heat but is very very wild and he was he was kind of a project guy when they traded for him. And he was just starting to develop in Detroit. And they took a chance on this guy. And he and I loved the deal when they made it. I thought it was a great trade for the Phils. I thought it was something they needed to do to solidify their bullpen with the solidify their bullpen in terms of bringing the heat. Because they bring it with Sir Anthony, Alvarado, Soto, and then whoever one of them can close and they just keep rotating like that. He did not look good to start the year. He looked abysmal out in Texas um, during the two imper- two empiricists he was there. His ERA was up to 27 at one point. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Um, he was just wild all over the place. Gave a homer in New York. Didn't look good against Miami. But finally, over his last, since April 15th against Cincinnati, he's only given up one hit. And his strikeouts are improving as well, which I love to see. Like, he... He's bringing the heat, and that's what I like to see out of him because I think he's going to be, by the end of the year, him, Soto, and Sir Anthony are going to be three of the most deadly pitchers. You don't want to face the Phils in September if they're rolling out those three to end the game because I think it's going to be very, very hard for someone to score off that. So I've been love, love what I've been seeing with Gregory Soto. You know, you just got to give him time, but I think he can really blossom into something in this Phillies bullpen and be one of the best, if not the best, in the bullpen by the end of the season. Real quick, I just want to wrap up with the Phils. Bryce Harper's learning first base. I just want to give my thoughts on that. Bryce Harper continued to amaze me as his career in Philadelphia continues to grow. He's just been able to do so much in such little time and he means so much to me and every single fan of the Phillies. So I believe that he can 100% play first base. I believe he can play second base or shortstop, even as a lefty. He could do whatever he gives a righty. He could do whatever he wanted, in my opinion, and he'd be great at it. But, yeah, that's my opinion on Harper at first base. I hope that he does it because that means Bohm can go back to third and do what I think he should be doing, playing third base every single day. But otherwise... That's my opinion on that. 
And now I want to move into the rest of baseball right now real quick. We're currently hitting the 20-minute mark so far, so I don't want to ramble too much on about the Phils. The Rays were the first team in baseball to reach 20 wins after defeating the Astros on Monday night. They currently sit at 20-4 and four on the season, just over their first loss at home against the Astros last night, which is unbelievable. They currently sit one nothing in the top of the eighth. They're losing currently to the Astros, looking to lose the first, second series of the season. Excuse me. Rays have just been unbelievable so far this year. Wander Franco made one of the most insane plays I've ever seen down the foul line. I don't, if, I'm sure if you're, you're a baseball fan, you know what I'm talking about. But he's been unbelievable so far this year. Randy Rosarena has just continued his World Baseball Classic trend of playing well into the regular season. He looks great. Shane McClanahan is good. They lose Jeffrey Springs. Jeffrey Springs was somebody who I loved coming into this year, and it's unfortunate that he is having Tommy John and going to be shut down for the year. That was going to be a great arm for them. And then outside of that, Baltimore's kids at 16-8 and eight, right behind them. The, the Orioles, man, they're ready. They need a little bit of pitching, but their Adley Rutschman is that guy. And I'm excited to see the future in Baltimore and get some playoff games there. They deserve it. Baltimore's a great stadium, great city, and I think they deserve some playoff baseball. Right behind them, 16-9 and nine are Toronto. I really haven't followed much of Toronto, but they've been pretty good to start of the year. I've seen a lot of Vlad highlights. Um, he's been playing well. So Toronto's right behind them. And then the Yankees sitting at 14-11. They're going on a little bit of a skid right now. Currently lost the series, I believe, to the Minnesota Twins. So that puts them down at 14-11. I believe that's the first series they lost all season. Had a big win today, though, 12-6. 12-6 against the Twins. Aaron Judge continues to play well. Anthony Volpe, I'll get into him in a little bit. He continued to look like the right decision at shortstop to start the year. Anybody better than IKF. But I want to move on from that and just go down the list as well with some of the other teams. The Twins currently sit atop the AL Central. Gallo's been pretty well for them, hitting a couple home runs. Byron Buxton continues to play well. Uh, right behind them, the rest of the Central's looking not great. Texas Rangers currently sit atop the AL West. Jacob DeGrom is Jacob DeGrom. Did anybody really ex not expect this? If he, Jacob DeGrom is healthy, he's going to be the best pitcher in baseball, and everybody knows it. He's been looking great. The offense is playing really well there. Houston sits right behind them at 13-11. Behind them is the Los Angeles Angels at 12-12. Somebody really needs to help the Angels make the playoffs because I don't want to see Shohei Otani go to the Mets. Please stay with the Angels. I don't want to see you <laughs> leave and go to one of the New York teams because – I will hate my life if that happens, but that's okay. Rounding that out in the NL East, the Atlanta Braves currently sit atop the NL East at 16-8. I'm not shocked by this, so I picked the Braves to win the division. I think they're the best team in the division. Max Free continues to pitch as well. Spencer Strider, holy cow, that guy is good. Spencer Strider, he's probably the leader right now in NL Cy Young. He took a no-hitter in the seventh inning. I believe it was last night. Gene Segura broke that up, though. I was watching that game. Or, no, excuse me, Monday night he took that no-hitter. And Gene Segura broke that up. But Spencer Schreider, unbelievable so far. Mets currently sit 14-10 as Scherzer is still waiting out his suspension for the Rosin incident. I'm sure you all saw that. He was thrown out of the game for substance on his glove, and he is currently serving a 10-game suspension. I believe he is six games into that right now. Mets are going to met. I just know it. I don't like <laughs> You couldn't tell I don't like the Mets. I just don't think they're built for the postseason. Pete Alonso's been playing well. He's tied or one behind now. Max Muncie is the lead for homers with 10. Pete Alonso has 10. Muncie has 11. And then in front of the Phils right now is Miami at 12 and 12. Not worried about Miami. They'll catch them. Philly sit 11 3. We've talked about them. And Nats round out that division at 18 and 14. And we move to the NL Central. And you wouldn't think most years we would have a lot to talk about the NL Central. We have a lot to talk about. The Pittsburgh Pirates are them. They are that Pittsburgh Pirates, man. They are a, they're a fun group right now. They're currently beating the Dodgers three to nothing in the top of the seventh at home. They look great. I don't understand how this Padre, Pirates team is playing well. They're <laughs> I really just don't get it. Their pitching staff is okay. They have a really good offense right now. Connor Joe is unbelievable right now. He is having the time of his life, playing great. McCutcheon has been. A really good leader for that team. Um, I think that's a big reason that they're playing well right now. Brian Reynolds just got his huge $100 million extension. That's great for him. He deserves that 100%. Like I said, Connor Joe Ben 313 right now. He's playing well. G-Man Choi is another one that's playing well. They're a big pickup. 
Jack Sawinski is playing well. They lose they lose O'Neill Cruz and man, they turn it up. They are playing out of their mind right now. They currently lead the NL Central at I believe sixteen yeah, sixteen and eight. They lead the NL Central right now. They're gonna make it seventeen and eight. They hold on to that Dodgers lead. Behind them right now is the Brewers who are playing well as well. Christian Yellis is looking pretty well, and that offense is really looking really good, especially with the young guys. They are playing a lot of their young guys, and they're playing very well right now, so that's good to see. But the surprising story right now is the St. Louis Cardinals sit at 9-15, last place in the NL Central. I did not think the Cardinals were this bad. Jordan Walker just got sent down today. Aaron Otto and not playing well. Goldie isn't either. Goldie kind of looking like he's taking that step towards the back end of his career. He's 35, 36 right now. I just not looking good for Goldie. Let me round out with the West. The Dodgers currently sit 13-11, the top of the NL West, but the Arizona Diamondbacks are 14-12 right behind them, tied for first. I love the Arizona Diamondbacks. They were my sleeper team going into this year. I really wish I could have done predictions like on this, but my Arizona Diamondbacks were my sleeper team. I said that the Diamondbacks would be fighting for a playoff spot come the last week of the season. And I love Corbin Carroll. I love Zach Gallen. That team looks good. I think they're finally ready. Next year is the year that the Diamondbacks are going to win the NL West and make a run for a postseason berth. I don't think they're going. I think they're going to come up short this year. I still think it's the Padres' division to win. Speaking of the Padres, they sit twelve and thirteen. They have Fernando Tatis Jr. back. Whoop de doo. Fernando, I'm sure, will make them better, but. They have they have issues to deal with as they fight and battle with the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. And we're not really going to get into the Giants and the Rockies because they are very irrelevant. And we're going to move on. Move on to my updated picks for MLB MVP, Cy Young, and Rookie of the Year. So I unfortunately was not able to share what my picks were. These are 100%. What I'm going to say is 100% accurate and 100% true on what I picked before the season on who would win MVP, Cy Young, and Rookie of the Year. So I'm just going to start with the AL. I picked Shohei Otani to win MVP preseason for the AL. I think it's an easy choice. The man was dominant at the WBC. He was coming into the season hot. I just think it's Shohei's award to lose almost every single you have to do something like Aaron Judge every single year or else you're just going to give it to Shohei it's like the Mike Trout thing Mike Trout's going to be up in MVP voting every year so is Shohei Otani no matter if he's even having like a down year he's doing both he's pitching and hitting every single year it's his award to lose every single year and that was my preseason pick I didn't I think Judge was going to slow down a little bit not have as crazy as a season as he did last year obviously. I don't <laughs> a down year for Judge is hitting 55 home runs, which is unbelievable, but I picked Otani to win MVP for the AL and for the NL MVP. This is where I went wrong. I picked Juan Soto. Juan Soto really struggled. I was really high on the Padres to start the year. And I still am. I think they're going to win the division still the West, but Juan Soto has just been god awful to start the year. He just doesn't look like he knows what he's doing right now. He's not hitting well. He's really been a pain in the side for the Padre right now, and they have to sign him because you just can't let Juan Soto walk away. I mean, he just hasn't looked good to start the year, but it's Juan Soto. He's one of the best young stars in the league. I think he's going to turn himself around, but I don't think he's going to win MVP. But that was my preseason picks for MVP. Currently at MVP, I think I'm looking good on Otani. He's got five home runs, 21 hits, and he's batting 266, which is not great. But his pitching numbers are off the charts. And I'll get into that in a second because I will talk about Cy Young in one second with his pitching stats. But pitching and hitting, doing both right now, I think Shohei Otani is the MVP. If he keeps up what he's doing for both categories, he's going to win. And it's going to be one of, if not the best MVP. You thought his previous MVP season was good. I think this season could be even better because his pitching is going to be better and his offense is going to be better. Um, we move on to Cy Young. My preseason pick for AL Cy Young was Garrett Cole. I really like Garrett Cole. I think he was finally going to have that big stat season that everybody's been hoping he's going to have. I thought that was what I was going to see from Cole. And he's been pitching well. We'll get into that in a second. Um, but, yeah, that was my preseason pick for AL Cy Young. And then NL Cy Young, I picked Sandy Alcantara. Sandy has not looked good. 
Sandy has been very disappointed to start the year. Got banged up against the Phils for, I think it was nine runs in that inning. He just did not look good um, in that Phils performance, and he just not had good starts at the start. It's just been very bad for Sandy. So uh, that pick is not looking great, and then I'm going to get into who I think is the Cy Young right now for the AL, and that's Shohei Otani. <laughs> We're back on the Otani train. I mean, the guy has a .64 ERA, like, Three and zero in the year. He's got thirty eight Ks, which is the best in the MLB, and he is arguably the face. He is the face of baseball. He's the best player in the league. Um, and there, there's no, there's no sugarcoating it. He is great. He does it both ways. He pitches every five days, and he's dominant every five days as well. That's the key thing. And I think he has what it takes to win MVP by putting up decent hitting numbers and putting out amazing start after start also in contention right now for AL Cy Young at the top I put DeGrom and Cole right behind him Cole's looked very well for the Yanks he's brought he's brought out performance after performance for them he's been a big reason why they've won a lot of games um otherwise Jacob DeGrom He's the best. He's the best pitcher in baseball, in my opinion. I think Jacob Deron's the best pitcher in baseball when he is healthy. If he stays healthy, I think he's going to, um, be great. So yeah, that's that's that. <laughs> I, there's really nothing else to sugarcoat it on. Currently, oh, I just realized I did not go over my M- MVP for NL, who I think it is right now. I think it's Max Muncy. He leads the league with 11 home runs. P is right behind him with 10, but the two of them are just leading it right now. And I will get into someone in a second. But I want to go over Cy Young for the NL. I pick Sandy. And I think right now it's Spencer Strider. But Zach Allen is also playing well. So I think the two of them are right neck and neck for the start of the season. Zach Allen had a great start today. 27 straight innings of no-run no baseball right now for Gallon. He's got that streak going. He just does stuff like that. It's unbelievable. I love Zach Allen. He's one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. I, I would love the Phils to get him. But I want to go over somebody real quick. ML MVP for the NL. Cody Bellinger is knocking on that door. You probably heard that. He's knocking on he's right there. Cody Bellinger has been unbelievable this year for the Cubs. I mean, the guy has just raked he, so the funny thing is, he was raking against the Dodgers, and it's funny because, obviously, he's a former Dodger, but he has just been unbelievable to start this season for the Cubs. I mean, I'm just going to pull up the stats right now for the year, and see. yeah, right here, he's got five home runs to start the year, five doubles, 44 total bases, 24 hits. He's batting 300, which the last time he batted 300 on the season was when he won MVP back in 2019. If we're seeing what we're seeing right now from Bellinger for a year long, Cody Bellinger's going to be in the talk for MVP again. And I like Cody Bellinger. I always did. But I don't know. I'd like to see Bellinger continue this success with the Cubs as the year goes on. I think that'd be nice for baseball to have one of their top guys get back into the spotlight. And then finally, my preseason picks for Rookie of the Year. NL, I went with Corbin Carroll, and AL went with Gunnar Henderson. My Gunnar Henderson pick has not looked very good. He has not played well for Baltimore. I think right now Volpe is the leader in that category with Yoshida right behind him. And then in the NL, Corbin Carroll. I love Corbin Carroll. I think he is a future all-star in this league. I think he's a future star in this league um, for the Diamondbacks. They signed him to a big contract before the season. They knew what they were getting out of him. Um, and, yeah, I like I love Corbin Carroll. I've liked him ever since he was a prospect. And I like I like swing. I love that he can play a great center field, and I think he's going to be maybe even also. I think he's going to be an all star this season. I think he might even be a starter this season. That's how great he's been playing. And then outside of that, James Outman has been playing well for the Dodgers. Nothing crazy though. I think Carroll is the front runner right now. I think he's going to pull away with it as well. So, yeah, that's been MLB. After this short break, which won't be short, I'm just going to pause for a second. But when we return, we will talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs. And we are back. So we are going to shift into the NBA playoffs a little bit. Right now, currently, playing right now, as I'm recording this podcast, the New York Knicks 
are up 3-1 on the Cavs in the series, and they are currently leading by 12. Heading into the fourth quarter in Cleveland in Game 5 of that series, looking like the New York Knicks are going to win the series and move on to face the winner of the Heat Bucks series that could conclude tonight as well. We're going to get into that in a second, but we're going to start with that first series, Knicks-Cavs. Man, the Knicks have just been playing well. Jalen Brunson, for those of you who don't know, I go to Penn State, and I'm a Penn State basketball fan. Growing up, I'm from Philadelphia, right outside of it, and I loved growing up watching Nova with Jalen Brunson, Bridges, Dante DiVincenzo, all them cats. Um, And I just absolutely love Jalen Brunson. I don't know why he was ever a second-round pick, but he is balling right now with the Knicks. I'm a little nervous with the Knicks as a Sixers fan. Knicks looks really good, and I think who, if whoever wins that Heat Bucks series, Knicks are going to give them the business, and I think they could 100% make a run for the Eastern Conference Finals. Outside that, the Cavs have been very disappointing. Donovan Mitchell has been trying to carry that team on his back, but Evan Mobley and Jared Allen just really haven't helped him out at all. Darius Garland either, and I think Knicks are going to wrap it up tonight, move on, and play the winner of the Bucks Heat series. Also playing right now is the Grizzlies and the Lakers. The Lakers currently lead the Grizzlies 3-1 in the series, and they are currently losing at halftime to the Grizzlies by 9. Aaron Anthony Davis currently has 18-10. and 10. Desmond Bain leads the Grizzlies with 21. Um, I cur- in, my, in my NBA playoff prediction, I picked the Lakers to win the series, which I think that they could even wrap it up tonight. But I think that... Excuse me. I think that they could win the series. I think they're going to win the series 100%. But Grizzlies could – Grizzlies a little pissed off. Dylan Brooks just keeps running his mouth with LeBron, and he keeps paying for it. So it's just what comes around – what goes around comes around. And, you know, I just think this Grizzlies team just talks a lot of smack and does not back it up. So it's funny. They got – Dylan Brooks has the whole nation rooting for LeBron and the Lakers, which is unbelievable. Moving on from that, I think the Lakers will win tonight, though. I think they're going to come back and win. Moving on from that, we have the Heat and the Bucks. The Miami Heat, current, the eight-seed Miami Heat, currently lead the one-seed Bucks in the series 3-1. to one. And tonight at 9.30, they can wrap up that series in Milwaukee. And there's nothing else I need to say other than Jimmy Butler needs to change his name to him because he is him. Jimmy Butler dropped a career-high I believe it was 55 points in the previous game versus the Bucks. I want to get that right. Excuse me, 56 points, nine rebounds, and two assists. A not only Miami Heat playoff playoff record, but a Jimmy Butler personal best, 56 points in Monday's win against the Bucks. Jimmy Butler has been insane this series. He really turns it on the postseason, and it pains me to watch him play this well as a Sixers fan. Because I wish he was still doing this with the Sixers right now. I think Miami very shockingly surprised me. I think they're going to wrap up this series. Not tonight. When they go back to Miami for game six, which I believe would be Friday. Friday or Saturday. Whenever they wrap up for game six, I think Miami's going to win it. And I think Miami's going to upset the Bucks in the first round. An 8-1 upset, which is unbelievable. But yeah, Jimmy Butler been insane. Bam Adebayo's been playing great. Giannis, man. Being out them two games with that back injury has just really hurt his team. It's relied on Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to pick it up. But I don't think Miami's got what it takes to – or I don't think Milwaukee's got what it takes to come back from Miami. Moving on, the last game tonight is the Warriors at the Kings. By far been the most entertaining series of the eight first-round series. The Warriors just look really good. The Kings look really good. And they're just two – behemoths battle each other for one spot into the next round. I like both teams. I picked the Warriors to win the series just based off of playoff experience. They know what to do and know how to win series. The Kings are young, but very inexperienced playoff-wise, and I think it's going to cost them. I think the Warriors are going to get the win tonight and then win back in um, win back in Golden State for Game 6. DeMontis Sabonis has just not looked great. De'Aaron Fox is injured. I think Steph Curry is going to have a night tonight and just absolutely finish off that series. We move to some of the series that wrapped up last night. The Denver Nuggets wrapped up their first round series against the Minnesota Timberwolves with a 112-109 win last night. 
I thought the Nuggets were going to sweep them. I picked them to sweep the Timberwolves in the first round. Timberwolves made it interesting, took it to five, but did nothing with it. Anthony Edwards, he look, he's looked great in the in the five games, but other than that, I still don't understand why they made that trade for Rudy Gobert. That was dumb. It's put their franchise back a number of years now, and honestly, if I'm Anthony Edwards, I wouldn't be shocked if he requests a trade in the next year or two because I would not want to deal with what they have right now because Rudy Gobert is almost untradeable because nobody is going to be want to take him after what has happened in the last couple weeks. We move on to the Clippers and the Suns. The Suns wrapped up their series against the Los Angeles Clippers, winning 4-1 to and winning 136-130 to last night. Kawhi Leonard tore his meniscus in, I believe it was game one, game two, excuse me, I believe. I might be wrong on that. It's one of those ga- first couple games. He tore his menis- re-tore his meniscus and was out for the rest of the series. Um... The Suns are a great team. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. Devin Booker's been playing out of his mind. He dropped 47 in the win last night. The two-handed two, two-handed punch of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant is going to be too much for the West. I think the Suns are going to the finals. I think they're going to beat the Nuggets. Nuggets are frauds. That's just my opinion. But I think the Suns are going to do it, go to the finals once again, and match up with who we will talk about in a second. But before we talk about the who I think they're going to match up against, we're going to talk about the Hawks and the Celtics. Currently, Boston leads the series 3-2, to two, but last night, Ice Trey came to play with a logo-hitting three to lift the Hawks to a 119-117 win over the Celtics in the Garden. What a win for the Hawks. They continue that series. They will play Game 6 tomorrow night to see if they can take it to a Game 7 back in Boston to try and win the series. I did not think that Boston would be taking the six games against the Hawks. I predicted them to win in five. I thought they were going to wrap it up last night in Boston, but Ice Trey had other plans. And the winner of that series will take on my pick to win the NBA Finals. No shocker. I already said who my favorite team is. The Philadelphia 76ers, who swept. Only team in the first round to sweep their opponent. Swept. The Brooklyn Nets. Just to put a little emphasis on that. The Sixers look great right now. Everything's rolling well. The bench is playing very, very good. Tyrese Maxey is him. He said Hemi Butler. It's, I don't even know, it looks like a pun to do for Maxey and him, but Maxey has played great. James Harden's picked up his slack a little bit and has looked very well in the last couple games. The issue, though, is Joel Embiid is dealing with a knee injury that he suffered in game three of that series. He did not play game four, and he's currently questionable to play game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals against either the Celtics or the Hawks. Um, You know, it's inevitable that Embiid gets hurt in the playoffs every single season, and it sucks that it happened again. But I'm hoping that Embiid can, you know, shake it off and play hurt and still dominate as well. I mean, he's going to an MVP. That's set in stone. Um, But... I think Embiid's going to be all right. I think they're going to beat now. I think I was a little nervous about Boston beforehand. I assumed it was going to be Boston-Philadelphia in the next round. I was a little worried about Boston, but Trey Young has made it very obvious that the Sixers team can upset Boston in seven. I think it's going to go to seven. I think Boston. I think the Sixers are going to beat Boston in Boston game seven to go to the Eastern Conference Finals and finally, finally make it out of the second round. That's all I want to talk about for NBA. I want to move now to the NFL draft. As right now, I am going to do what is my final mock draft of the year. I'm going to be drafting all 31 picks of the first round and giving my take on some of them. Go a little faster, obviously, on some than others. But I want to do that right now with currently about 44 minutes in, but I just want to get going. So, we're going to start with who has number one. I'm going to go in order. I'm not going to do trades. This is updated with the Rodgers trade um, from yesterday. Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets. That's unbelievable. Looks a little weird, the Jets stuff, but we'll get used to it. I'm not going to make any trades. I'm going to go through the draft as the picks are now. There's probably going to, there's definitely going to be trades tomorrow night. It happens every year. But I'm going to go who I think is going to go with the current picks that we are at. So, number one. There have been some talks about Will Levis going number one. I don't understand it. You don't trade up if you're the Panthers for Will Levis. You trade up for Bryce Young, and that's who I think the Panthers are going to take. 
I don't think they need a quarterback, but I don't think they should start a quarterback right now. Like they have other things they need to fill before they need to draft their quarterback in the future. But if they think Bryce Young's the guy, Bryce Young's the guy. I think that's who they're going to take tomorrow night or tonight, whenever you hear this. I don't know when I'm going to post this yet. But I think Bryce Young's going to be the number one pick. So next up is the Houston Texans, picking number two. I see this for me, this is where the pick is going to affect the rest of the draft. If the Texans go defense at two, it's going to affect a lot of teams' game plan because that's another player that's going to come off the board earlier than some teams think. Because everybody thinks that Texans are going to go quarterback at two. I also think they're going to go quarterback at two. And I'm going to take Will Levis. Levis has jumped in the last couple days in draft stock, which is unbelievable. I don't know how he's jumping this high. I really don't get the hype around Levis. I don't get the hype around many of these quarterbacks. Um, but I think Levis is going to go too. His stock has rised a lot. The Texans have said that they liked, or the Texans have said that they liked him. But I think it's either C.J. Stroud or Will Levis at two. I think it's a quarterback. They're gonna they're gonna take quarterback. That's all I really have to say about that. Next up is the Arizona Cardinals picking three. Now there have been talks that they want to trade. Someone wants they want to trade back. They just don't want to go too far back. They still want one of the defensive players up at the top ten. I think they're going to stay there, and I think they're going to draft Will Anderson, who is arguably the best player in this draft. I think he is the best player in this draft. I would trade up for him in a heartbeat if I'm the Eagles or if I'm really anybody else. I think Will Anderson is going to be a stud edge rusher in this league, similar to Micah Parsons. He's going to do everything. And, yeah, I think if I'm the Cardinals, I'm taking Will Anderson at three if I'm staying there. Next up, we have the Indianapolis Colts. Colts are taking a quarterback. Which one? I don't know. I think if the Texans go Will Levis or Shroud, I think that the Colts get the other one. I'm going to have them take C.J. Shroud. I think they like Levis more. And if they really like Levis, I think they will trade up to two to draft Levis ahead of the Texans so they can make their pick on that quarterback. But I think they're going to end up with Shroud or Levis uh, come the end of tomorrow night's draft. They're going to have their QB of the future. And by God, hope the Colts fans really need him to work out because they, they can't keep dealing with these older quarterbacks that just don't play well every season. Yeah, they need, a, they, need, they need a restart, and they need a young quarterback. And I think Stroud's good. People are making a big deal about his terrible uh, wonderlick test that he took. CJ Stroud can ball. I think he'd be a good spot for them. I think Levis could work there as well, but I think Stroud would be a much better pick for them. Picking five is the Seattle Seahawks. And this is an interesting one. I think they're either going to take Anthony Richardson out of Florida, a project QB who can sit behind Geno Smith, or they're going to take the guy who I'm going to pick here in Tyree Wilson. An edge rusher is always big. You can never have too many edge rushers. I think in this spot Seattle is in, the, the only reason I think they could take Richardson is they don't know when the next time they're going to draft this high is because they're going to compete against. Seattle just made the playoffs this past season. I think they're going to do it again. I think they're a wild card team at, at worst. Um, So I that's the only reason they could take Richardson and sit him behind um, Geno Smith for a season or two and then eventually ta- have Richardson take over because he is a project. But I think... In the situation they're at, they want some more edge rusher. They want some defense, and I think they take Tyree Wilson, who has gotten a lot of praise recently and will be a top 10 pick. The Detroit Lions are picking six, and contrary to popular belief, they are not taking a corner here. They're going to take the best player in the draft, not named Will Anderson, and that's Jalen Carter. I personally want the Eagles to trade up to get Jalen Carter. I think the Eagles would love Jalen Carter. Him and Jordan Davis in the middle would be disgusting. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Lions are going to take Jalen Carter at six, solidify that defensive front with him and Hutchinson, and that's going to be ridiculous if they get Jalen Carter. Another option for the Lions is one of the corners, Christian Gonzalez or Witherspoon or any of them guys. But I think they're going to get Jalen Carter. Speaking of the Raiders, Raiders are up next at pick seven, and I am going to have them take Christian Gonzalez who I feel is the best corner in the draft. That is the guy I want the Eagles to take if they want to take a corner. 
I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to go way too high for them to want to get him. So I'm going to have them take Christian Gonzalez as number one corner off board. Next up is the Atlanta Falcons, and I don't know what the Falcons are going to do. There have been rumors that they like B. John Robinson. I I don't know if that's who they're going to take. I, I really don't know who. This is the problem with this draft. I really don't know what some of these teams are going to do. Like, it's very confusing, and I just think that anybody could do anything. So I think that the smart pick here for me with the Falcons is taking B. John Robinson. Well, the smart pick is to take one of the defensive or offensive linemen because you could, like I said, you can never use too many, you can never have too many offensive linemen or edge rushers. And I think that'd be the smart pick for them, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to go with B. John Robinson. They have been loving B. John, according to reports, over the last couple of days, and I think they're taking Robinson at eight. Next up, we move to the Chicago Bears, and I think the Bears will take either one of Peter Skaronsky or Paris Johnson Jr. They're taking a tackle, especially with, in my opinion, all the defensive guys off the board. I think personally it's going to be Paris Johnson. He's been getting some love recently by a lot of teams. His buzz has been increasing over the last couple days, and I think he's going to be a top-ten pick. Now at number 10 is the Philadelphia Eagles, my favorite team, if you couldn't already tell. I don't know what the Eagles are going to do. Personally, in my opinion, I think the Eagles are either going to sit at 10 and take best player available, which they kind of hope is B. John Robinson, or trade up for Jalen Carter in the top, I believe, probably seven, I would say, for Jalen Carter. If they think Jalen Carter is going to fall, I think they're going to trade up for him. But right now at 10, with the current state that these players are at, there's, it's either Devin Witherspoon or, in my opinion, Nolan Smith. In my opinion, I think they're going to take Nolan Smith in my draft in this situation where the current nine picks, I think they're going to take Smith to get an edge rusher. It's not something they guaranteed guaranteedly need, but I think it fits the Eagles. Eagles don't take running backs in the first. That's my thing with the Eagles and B. John take. I like B. John Robinson, but... I don't think he fits their first-round, 10th overall mold. I think they're going to take Nolan Smith or a corner to help fill out the corner room, but I think they're going to go with Nolan Smith at 10. The Tennessee Titans are going to take the other of Peter Skronsky or Paris Johnson, in my opinion. In this case, it's going to be Skronsky. They need a tackle. They just cut Taylor Lewan. That's going to be their new left tackle. And then Houston, back up again, picking 12. I believe, I believe at 12 that the Houston Texans are going to take Miles Murphy. They need a edge rusher. They take Levis, the QB, and then they get their edge rusher on defense later. I think Murphy is the best edge available, in my opinion. I not really don't I don't really like the hype on Van Ness. I I don't get it. He, I never really saw anything special when I saw him play at Iowa, so I think they're going to take the better of the two ends in my edges, in my opinion, in Miles Murphy. The Green Bay Packers now picking thirteen after swapping with the Jets. They're going to do the funny thing and they're going to take Jackson Smith and Jigba. They're going to take a wide receiver in the first round, something they never did with Aaron Rodgers, and they're going to do it year one with Jordan Love. I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> Um, but they need a little bit of wide receiver help. They just lost Alan Lazard. I think Smith and Jigba would be great alongside Christian Watson. Give more targets to Jordan Love. There's been talks about taking a tight end at 13. That's way too early with the tight ends that are available. I think they could 100% get a Darnell Washington or a Luke uh, Musgrave later in the draft. Maybe even trade back into the first round and take a Michael Mayer uh, or Kincaid. Like, they could trade back in and if they want a tight end that badly, but get more weapons for get more weapons for uh, Jordan Love. It's going to be a rough year for him adjusting to the starter role. So I like Jordan Love. I hope he does well. But yeah, that's that's where I currently see that. Now I know you're calling me crazy, but I still got Witherspoon and Richardson on the board. New England's not taking either of them. They're taking Lucas Van Lucas Van Ness Van Ness. Fits the Patriot mold of the big white guy that Bill O'Brien, not Bill O'Brien, excuse me, Bill o- Bill Belichick 
likes. Um, it just fits that role well for New England. They take guys that like nobody even hears about. I feel like that's going to be the guy that everybody's going to be like, not the casual fan will know about, and it's going to be like, oh, the Patriots, of course they take a guy like that. The New York Jets at 15, I think they're going to take Broderick Jones, offensive tackle. I think it's either him or Darnell Wright in this situation. I think they're going to take a tackle for Rodgers um, to help out on the offensive line. They need to protect Rodgers as much as they can, and I think they're going to take a tackle there. And then at 16, the Washington Commanders, under new ownership, they are going to take Witherspoon in this situation. They need a corner um, to be a stud there, and I think that Witherspoon is a great pickup for them. I honestly think Witherspoon, being that late in that mock, would have somebody, in my mock here, would have somebody trade up. But like I said, I'm not doing trades. We're just going straight off of what I think is going to happen. Next up, the Pittsburgh Steelers at 17. They're going to take Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State, representing my school, Joey Porter Jr. Absolutely love watching JPJ over the last couple years. I think he's going to do great in Pittsburgh. His dad played there. He's got family there. I think he's going to love Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh really needs a corner or a tackle, and at this point I think the tackles are kind of off the board. They could reach on right, but I think Joey Porter Jr. is a great pick for them. Next up is the Detroit Lions picking their second pick. They already take Jalen Carter. And this time around, I think they're going to take Deontay Banks corner. Third corner in a row in my mock. They need a corner. They just uh, had to cut. They just released, not released, excuse me. They just traded Jeff Okuda to the Falcons. I think Banks is a really good replacement for him. He could play really well. He was very underrated at Maryland. I think he is going to be a good pickup for them. Pick 19, Tampa Bay. I have them taking Anthony Richardson. I have Richardson staying home in Florida, staying home, backing up Baker, eventually taking over as the quarterback. Like I said, he's a project guy. Get him in there. Let him learn the ropes, and I think he could eventually be the guy in Tampa Bay as the new quarterback. Seattle back up again at 20. I had them taking Tyree Wilson with their first pick. At their second pick, I'm going to have them take Jordan Addison. Tyler Lockett's not getting any younger. Him and DK. Jordan Addison and DK can be a great duo. Lockett can be a guy that they can maybe get rid of for cap numbers and keep Addison, the young guy, young rookie deal. I think that's a good pick. Uh, pick up for Seattle. I like Addison. I liked him at Pitt. He had a little bit of a down year Um. at USC this past season. Excuse me. But I think that that would be a good pick. Those are just two big body guys like for Seattle to throw to. Gino's going to have all the help he needs. Gino needs all the help he can get on the outside. Um, I think that would be a great a great option for Seattle if they take Jordan Addison. Next up, I have the Los Angeles Chargers, 21, picking Quinton Johnson. Now, I know what you're saying. Do they really need a receiver? Yes, they do. <laughs> I think that they take um, I think they take Johnson, and I think Keenan Allen plays out one more year with the Chargers, and then after this year, it's Johnson and Mike Williams' team going forward with Herbert. I think that would be a solid wide receiver duo. For the Chargers, and yeah, I think Johnson's going to be an L.A. Charger. Next up is the Baltimore Ravens at 22. I'm going with my third wide receiver in a row. I am taking Zay Flowers. Baltimore needs to get Lamar back. What do you do to get Lamar back? You sign Odell. You maybe trade for D-Hop. That's another thing that could happen over the draft. That apparently is going to happen. D-Hop's going to get traded over the draft weekend. But if not, I think they're going to draft Flowers, the wide receiver out of Boston College. Very underrated guy. Very speedy, speedy guy. Um, and help out Lamar as much as they can. Get him some weapons so he, he would want to go back to Baltimore. And yeah, that's my pick for Baltimore. Picking now 23, the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings are in a weird spot. I, they need like a lot of everything. I'm going to have them reach on Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. Um, I don't think they can take a quarterback there at 23, especially with all the holes they need to fill. They need to fill like corner, linebacker, 
outside of Jefferson and Osborne, they really don't have many receivers. And at this point, the receivers are off the board. I think they t- breach up on Forbes, or I think they could even trade. I don't know how they're gonna how they will, but they could trade up a couple picks to get one of them better corners. But I I have Forbes, who's a good good guy out of Mississippi State, but I think they need a corner, and that's the guy they're gonna go with. The Ch- Jacksonville Jaguars picking at twenty four. I am going to have them take Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. Um, Evan Ingram's going in on a one-year deal. I think that they have their wide receivers pretty much set out with Ridley, um, with Ridley, and they have a running back in Travis Etienne. I think they can get a tight end to pair with Ingram for a year, and then Kincaid can take over with Trevor Lawrence and start competing for some possible Super Bowls, man. Jaguars are coming back. Dougie P is leading them to the promised land sooner or later. Picking 25 is the Giants. And I don't know what the Giants are going to do, to be honest. I'm going to have them take Osiris uh, Torrance, the guard out of Florida. I think, and like I said, you never cannot have offensive line help. I think that's a good pickup for them. You know, I really don't know what spot they're going to fill. They're a very interesting team right now. Need to pay Saquon and deal with other things outside of that, but I think they're going to take some offensive line. I have the Dallas Cowboys taking Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Notre Dame and Dallas Cowboys just like makes sense. That's like the it's like the Yankees Lakers uh, Cowboys joke. Like they're all the same fans, and then same with like Notre Dame. Even though some say Bama, I say Notre Dame is like that. They're all like the same fan. I think my Mayer is would fit well there. They need a tight end uh, to fill in for Dalton Schultz. So I think that'd be a good tight end for Dallas's offense. Picking 27, the Bills. I have the Bills taking Brian Branch out of Alabama. Branch is a solid safety out of Bama. Buffalo needs a little bit of secondary help. I don't know if DeMar Hamlin's going to be playing, but they need somebody to fill his spot if he doesn't play. Um, secondary always a good thing to prep up on and I think Buffalo goes with Branch 28 Cincinnati Bengals I have them taking Darnell Wright out of Tennessee like I said never not good to have offensive line help but you got to keep Joe Burrow healthy I'm going to go with Darnell Wright um Kaliza Cansey is my pick for I believe I'm saying that right out of Pittsburgh the defensive lineman uh to the Saints at 29 I think they're either going to go with him or Breesey at that 29 pick. And then back up again, the Philadelphia Eagles, pick 30. This is where I would draft Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs is arguably the best running back in this draft. Um, him and Bijan are neck and neck for the top spot. I'm going to go with Gibbs here. I think he fits the Eagles offense a little bit better. I think he would be an awesome asset to have on this offense and would fill in with everybody around him. Hurts, Brown, uh, the other running backs, Penny, Scott, uh, Gainwell, Smitty, uh, Goddard. Like, they would just fill in so well. And he Gibbs would run so – Gibbs would be such a great player behind this offensive line. I, I would love Gibbs at 30. I think that's who they're going to get. Picking at 31, I have the Kansas City Chiefs taking Anton Harrison, the offensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Like I said, it's never bad to have more offensive line help. Um, I don't know if they did lose, uh, their one offensive lineman. I can't think of his name. Um, I'm looking it up right now. They just signed somebody from, I can't think of his name. Oh, he's from the Ravens and, but yeah, they just lost their offensive tackle. And they picked up somebody new as well. I don't remember. But I think they're going to take Harrison and get some offensive line help. And then finally, it looks like I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers pick, even though they're second round, pick 32. But Miami doesn't have a first because they forfeited. I think that the Steelers are going to take at the 32nd pick. I think they're going to take Dewan Jones, offensive tackle, out of Ohio State. He is a great run blocking tackle. He gets very good downfield. And I think that Steelers need a 
offensive lineman, and if they don't take one at 17 pick, I think they're going to take Porter. They don't take one there. They're going to take one later in the draft, and I think it's going to be Dewan Jones. So, yeah, that is my mock draft. That is my last one that I'm going to make, uh, most likely on the year. And, yeah, that's going to be the last mock that I do. This is being recorded at Wednesday night, the night before the draft. It's close enough to the point where I have a good understanding on what's going to happen. If I'm being honest, my first, I want to say, 10 picks I'm pretty confident in. You know, I might miss up some of them. Not like last year. I would I would count if Levis goes four and Stroud goes two and everything else is right, I would count myself right. But last year, man, I was on fire. I got one through four right. I flip-flopped five and seven with the Giants picks. I had Evan Neal going seven, or Evan Neal going five and Kayvon Thibodeau going seven. Thibodeau went five and Neal went seven. I flip-flopped them. I got six right. Uh, I got the... F- I got the first seven guys on the correct teams in last year's draft. And then number eight, I had Garrett Wilson going to the Falcons. Drake London went, whatever. But, yeah, I, I was pretty close on some of my top guys. But this year, not as confident, but I think I think the first couple picks, I'll get pretty good. But that's going to wrap it up for today. We're currently sitting at just over an hour and six minutes. That's all right. This has been the first episode of Maddie B Sports. Um, I hope you enjoyed. Please follow on Spotify. And I'm going to probably leave my Instagram um, on the Spotify page. I haven't really set everything up yet. Really just need to record the episode so I can get it up. But follow me on all socials, Matt underscore Brown 63. Come argue with me about anything I say. <laughs> I say some dumb stuff sometimes on Twitter. Um, but, yeah, follow me at almerstate.com. Uh, com slash author slash Matt Brown. Go read my stuff. I cover baseball for Penn State. Uh, yeah. Everybody who's listening, have a good night. Take care. <laughs>